Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. It's so good. I've once again brought the great weather back to California, so you're welcome. Whatever, though, no big deal. I'm kidding, uh, kind of, but anyways. <laughs> hey, I want to do this. I know we just prayed, um, but I'm gonna, I promise I'll pray short, but I want to pray again because God uh, did this for me, and he doesn't, this doesn't happen to me a lot as a preacher, but when he does, it always gives me a lot of anxiety and nerves, but it felt right. Uh, halfway through the week, I did a pivot on the message. Um, I was telling some people earlier today, I have a really cool Joseph message from years past that has a lot of cool bells and whistles and I think it's a really important message and God's blessed it over the years. And I wanted to preach that because I was like, oh yeah, I I like when you guys like that I'm here. So I was like, I'm gonna go do a really good job and it'll be great. And then God just kept kind of, um, I'll use a spiritual term, prophetically speaking to my heart about a subject that I haven't really talked much about, if ever. And so, can I have your grace this morning? I'm gonna do my best. You know me, I get hyper and excited, but I really felt like this was a message that's timely for some people at Hills Church today. So let's give this time over to God. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these people in this room. Everyone that's listening online or YouTube or all the different ways you can hear it nowadays, God, I just pray your blessing on this time. Jesus, I pray that you would anoint my words, that you would empower them, God that you would take um, my human attempt to speak on your behalf and because of the beauty of your Holy Spirit alive on the inside of me, something supernatural would happen, that there would be breakthrough and healing and conviction and more restored beauty in all of our lives. Jesus, I ask this boldly and I believe for it and give this time over to you and it's your name we pray, Jesus. Everyone said... So I'm coming out of the gates in a really dumb way as a preacher. Uh, I'm gonna start with a quote, and here's why it's dumb. First time I ever heard this quote, it's uh, from a pastor, real renowned and well-known. He wrote the fastest, biggest-selling Christian book of all time, apart, of course, from the Bible. Pastor down south in Southern California, just retired by the name of Rick Warren. You guys heard him? I heard him say this over a decade ago, and when he said it, it made me mad. You ever hear a quote or something from a pastor and then the moment you, you, you feel mad about it? I'm just being honest. You may love it when you hear it. Uh, I worry about you if you do, but uh, it's, not, it's not an easy quote on the surface to hear, but I'm gonna try and do my best to build from everything, the heart and the intention behind what I think Pastor Warren was saying when, when he said this, and it is this. Here, go ahead and put that up. Sweet wine comes from crushed grapes, right? (laughs) Glad we came to church today. Sweet wine comes from crushed grapes. He said, if you want God's anointing, and we'll talk about that, I put God's favor in parentheses because that anointing is an old ancient Hebrew word that we don't often use enough in the church these days. If you want God's favor on you, and I believe most of you, if not all of you, came here today, who doesn't want the favor of God on your life, right? But he says this, and this is some, some truth, but it's some tough truth. But the reason I'm gonna talk about it, even though it's tough truth today, is because Jesus said it's truth that will set you free. There is some freedom found in a quote that on the surface is really hard to hear. He says, if you really want God's anointing on your life, then he says this, expect to be crushed. None of us wanna hear that. That's really bad marketing. That's a really dumb plan for me as a pastor to come up here and start with that, right? But I'm going to try and make some hopefully holy and divine and beautiful sense of what he was getting at when he said that. The story that we're looking at to end Genesis is this incredible story of Joseph. I think of the old quote. I heard a famous person say this once and I never forgot it. They, they were getting an interview and they said, it took me 20 years to become an overnight success. 
And I remember thinking, like, that is the story of Joseph. We, we are on the, 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 the retrospect side of his story thousands of years later. We get, to, we get to read it from retrospect, so it's really easy to romanticize the story of Joseph. It's really easy to just look at it and not really sink our hearts and minds into what it would have really been to be him. Like, all of the crushing that he went through to save so many lives to be used by God in such a powerful and such a profound way. Majority of the story of him getting to that great crescendo that we'll look at it next week at the end, this beautiful moment where he saves so many lives on planet earth from dying, which was just an archetype, as Pastor Jonathan said last week. It's a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do, not to just feed people like Joseph did, but to give people eternal life, the bread that makes you never hungry again, right? It's this beautiful picture, but Joseph, in order to fulfill that purpose of saving so many people's lives and being a, a life worthy of being talked about in Sacramento, California, thousands of years after he's dead. That's what a profound life he lived, but it came with some, some crushing. There's this one thing, though, that came with Joseph that was a huge part in getting him to where he wanted to go, and that's what I wanna talk to you today about. It's, it's an interesting word. It's that word favor, the favor of God. Now, I grew up going to church a lot in the 90s and early 2000s before I was preaching much at all. And we were in a season in the church of like what they call the prosperity gospel. You guys, some of you know what I'm talking about. This was this season in the church where it was like, if, if, if you formulate God right, if you learn how to hit the right buttons to that celestial guy in the sky, then you're gonna have more health all the time. You're gonna have more wealth all the time. Things are gonna constantly be going on the up and right trajectory for you, for your family, for your business. If we can just learn the secrets to all of God's blessings and then act our way into them, life's gonna play out so clean for you because listen to these promises of God in the scriptures. Now, let me balance that out. Uh, God wants you blessed. I believe that with all my heart. I just think we have an interesting definition in America of what blessing actually looks like. God, hear me when I say this because I'm gonna talk about the favor of God today. God wants desperately to put his favor on your life. That's good news. You are a co-heir of Christ. You sit with Christ in the heavenly realms. What is his is yours. What he procured for you perfectly on the cross, you now have claim to. God doesn't just favor certain people like you read about Joseph and go, well, I could never do anything like that. Well, good news, you're not supposed to. I won't do anything remotely as significant as Joseph, no matter how good of a life I live. I'm not supposed to. God didn't call me into that part of the story. But I do have as much right to the favor and blessing of God as Joseph does. But you know what that also means? Because you know what always comes with favor? The crushing. And again, when I say favor, I'm talking about God's anointing. What it really means is God's supernatural empowerment to get you where he designed you to go and to be who he designed you to be. That's what it is. When you're praying for God's favor, for God's anointing, every time I, I, I work on a message throughout the week, I am like, God, if you don't anoint me this week, would you fire me? I don't dare get up there and speak on behalf as a broken, flawed human being. I'm no different than you guys, right? I don't dare get up here and preach God's holy word and his gospel unless your Holy Spirit is anointing, as King David said, anoint my head. I pray that every morning, anoint my head with oil, God, so when I get up there on Sunday, my cup would overflow with the things of God to say. 
Of course I want to be favored by God. You want to be favored by God. But, but here's the deal. Jesus was the perfected essence of what it looks like for a human to walk in the full favor of God. And we love all of those moments in the Gospels when he's healing people, raising people from the dead. You know, opening blind eyes and, and opening deaf ears and casting out demons and, and being so kind to the outsiders. I live for those moments, but you know what I don't like to read as much? The crushing he went through. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, right? I think about his mother Mary, and we'll get to Joseph in a minute, but I'm fired up right now. Uh, do you remember when the angels, we, we do it every Christmas, but I'm gonna do it right in the heart of summer. They come to to Mary in the beginning of the gospels and how do the angels, they pronounce themselves, they say, hey, I know this is scary, but don't be afraid. She's a teenage girl at the time. That'd have been terrifying. But do you know what they pronounce about her? Do you know what they speak over her the minute they see her? Hey, Mary, you who are what? Highly favored. And she was, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to be the mother of the Messiah? This would be a one-time thing that only one mom on planet Earth would ever get to experience. And we know and believe by faith that this was uh, born, she was born of a virgin. Only one time that would ever happen, right? So, so, so let me give some framework when I'm talking about favor so that kind of health, wealth, prosperity gospel doesn't creep into this message because I don't buy it at all. Life doesn't play out that clean. Yes, God wants you blessed. Yes, we pray for health. Yes, I try and be healthy. Yes, I would love it if I had a little more uh, a coin in the bank than I had last week. All of that is good and fine, and there is nothing inherently good or bad about those things. But come on, have we not all lived life long enough to know it doesn't play out that clean? Life is a series of hills, and it is a series of really dark, sometimes valleys, and they're all working together for one thing, the glory of God. And it's in some of your darkest seasons and most difficult moments like we see from Joseph where God is actually and ironically doing some of his best work. So back to Mary, God says, hey, hey, Mary, you who are highly favored, just so you know, well, you're going to be the talk of the town and there's eventually going to be so many mothers after they see Jesus grow up and become amazing, they're going to envy you. They're going to all think like, what is it about her that Jesus wouldn't, they, God wouldn't have picked me? But just know this, you who are highly favored, because most of the people that, 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 that are jealous of you, Mary, they won't know the origin story. Because as soon as you get pregnant with a virgin birth, zero people, including your future husband's going to believe it's a virgin birth. And don't get self-righteous, Hills Church, you wouldn't have believed it either. One time in history, right? Wouldn't have so, so all of a sudden, you who are highly favored, guess what? You're instantly being brought into a scandal. The minute I pronounce favor over you, you're about to get crushed by your community. You ever been there? Nobody believes you? Isn't that an awful feeling when you're telling the truth about something and nobody believes you? It's horrible. Well, well, that's the entry point to your favor. And hey, Mary, right after you give birth to that kid, uh, the, 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 the climate in your area is gonna be so dangerous, it's actually gonna be safer to go to Egypt where they're your enemies. It's gonna be safer to live with your enemies. So the first two years after you have Jesus, you who are highly favored, you're gonna get to go to a foreign land and live on the run, you who are highly favored. You who are highly favored, when you, when you come back, you're gonna wanna just go home, get in your own bed, see all the old faces and familiar things. Yeah, it's gonna to be too difficult in your city, so you're gonna to have to move to another city back in your country, you who are highly favored. 
Now, let me fast forward because I think you guys are getting the point, but hey, you who are highly favored, the one who got chosen to be used by God in such a profoundly amazing way, the mother of the Messiah, you're gonna actually bury your kid instead of your kid burying you. It's the worst parent, it's the ultimate parent's nightmare, right? Some of you have been through that tragedy as parents. I can't imagine it as a father, I can't imagine it. Talk about crushing, and yet now look at how we talk about Mary. Look how we use her story. Look how we use the Old Testament figure, Joseph. We look back in retrospect with awe, with wonder, with such appreciation. But there is a crushing. Here's what Mary and, 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 and stories like Joseph teach me. The favor of God, just so we understand when I keep using this word today, the favor of God is about God using you, not spoiling you. The favor of God is a heightened degree of trust that he puts on your life. It's God's compliment of going, there's not tons of people on planet earth that can walk through the crushing and hold on to this thing that has to go with favor, which is integrity. That's another word that I'm gonna use interchangeably with or favor. And I'll put it this way. When we talk about the favor of God, which is for you, you have to have integrity with it or favor will actually be your destruction, not your blessing. If, if, if the favor of God we see in Joseph's story keeps, keeps moving you in the direction of the God dream, if the favor of God, and I believe it is, is the vehicle to keep moving you forward in blessed and successful ways in your life, hear me when I say this, then the integrity is the oil to the engine. Who gives a rip if you have a Lamborghini? if you've never put oil in it. Because it is a matter of weeks, if not a month or so, before there are rods that start shooting through that engine and completely total your beautiful Lamborghini. And no matter how cool it looks, it's gonna have to look cool in the parking lot because it's going nowhere. Integrity is the oil to the engine of walking in the favor of God. And when I'm talking about integrity, here's what I'm talking about. It's when your beliefs and your values, in our case, it's the belief in Jesus and the values of his kingdom that he said to start walking in. It's when those win out, when the crushing comes. Integrity is when you let the crushing happen, but you keep living based on values and based on your beliefs, not on what you're tempted to live by, which is emotion and circumstance. Joseph personifies favor, but he also personifies integrity. James chapter one, verses two through four. This is Joseph's story, in my opinion, that is just, just turned into three different verses. It says this, consider it pure joy, Hills Church, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I don't like that. That's like Rick Warren's verse earlier. I don't like that, James. It sounds masochistic, does it not? You want me to consider it pure joy? You want me to fake it like I'm super happy when I'm going through trials? Didn't say consider, it didn't say be happy. That's an emotion. You're not gonna feel happy in trials, but you can feel joy. This overwhelming sense that God is for me, God is with me, and God is doing some of his best work, not in the seasons of prosperity, but in some of the darker, more difficult seasons. He says, consider it pure joy, Hills Church, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Here's why. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. This is Joseph's story in a nutshell. 
His faith was endlessly tested throughout this whole narrative. The testing of your faith develops perseverance, James goes on to say, and here's the reason why. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be, and here's some, here, here's some words synonymous with integrity, mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you hear that? Complete is what God wants to do in you. Complete the work he started. The word integrity uh, comes from the, the root word integer. And in our English language, we use the word integer as a math term. Now, I'm angry that I'm talking about math right now. School's out. I, I'm horrible at math. I want to talk, I usually talk about food up here where I have a specialty. But an integer is simply what? It's a whole number. It's whole. It's completeness. So integrity is everything. So let's go back to Joseph, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reread some of the things Pastor Jonathan went over, um, not to be redundant, but to drive home this idea. Jacob, it says, in fact, you know, for the sake of time, can you guys let me make some edits along the way. Can you just trust me with this? Uh, let me just tell you what happens to save some time. Joseph gets a dream. He's 17 years old. It's that his brothers are going to bow down to him. His brothers already don't like him because what I was about to read told us that his father loved him more than all the other brothers. That's a bad move, Dad, even if you fill it in your heart and never tell anyone. And it was because he, he, he had Joseph in his old age. He wasn't supposed to. There was, it was like a miracle kid. So there was this extra affection in his brothers that said hated not his father, but they hated Joseph for that. Joseph didn't do anything to deserve that hate. It's not his fault when he was born in the birth order. It's not his fault that his dad had this, this love for him that he didn't have, but they hated him, right? But Joseph doesn't help his case out any when he's 17. You know, you remember when you're young and zealous and you have the best heart in the world, but you're not super self-aware. He calls the brothers to tell him about a dream where they're gonna bow down to him. He says, I saw this, we're out working in the grain fields and one shoot shot up and the rest of them bowed down and it was you guys bowing down to me, right? And so what do they do? They literally start plotting to kill him. That gets all Dateline NBC in the story, right? Any of, do I have any true crime people like me in the room? I hear Keith Morrison. It was a hot, sunny day in the Israeli fields, and I'm not gonna do it. You know, great voice, though. Like, it gets scandalous because here's what my big brother, my, I, I grew up the little brother. My big brother was bigger, faster, and stronger than me my whole life. He's a big football meathead, and he let me know it all the time. If, if we had a scenario like that, here's the extent of what my brother would have done. He would have probably punched me real hard in the arm, put me in a headlock, started to give me a noogie, and said, you're such an idiot. He would have probably pushed me down and started making me over and over bow down to him and say, how's that dream going now, Chad? How's that dream going now, Chad? That's, that would have been the extent of it and then moving on. Not these guys. They literally plotted to kill him and then luckily one or two of the other brothers had the, the wherewithal to go, hey, this is a bad idea. We can't, we can't be responsible for that. So let's do this. Let's fake his death. We'll push him into a pit. The Ishmaelites we just heard are coming through and they're, they're slave traders. So we'll, we'll make a little coin on the side. We'll sell him into uh, slavery with the Ishmaelites. And then we'll, we'll, we'll dip his, his old coat, that coat we can't stand, that, that represents a dream. We'll dip that in some blood, send it back to the father and the father will think he's dead and we can move on with our lives. Get that dreamer out of here. So they do that, right? The Ishmaelites get him. And then this is, this is where we pick up. They send him off to his father. Before we pick this up, though, I, I want to ask you this, because this has so much to do with key moments of integrity and favor in your life. No matter how favored you are by God, no matter how much kindness and help he puts on your life to be everything you're supposed to be, 
there are going to be inevitable moments. We've all experienced them to different degrees. Some of you, that's your story right now. You're neck deep in this, where you are betrayed by the people you love the most. This is the first thing that happens to Joseph in the crushing. I don't think there's one crushing that hurts in a more profound way than when it is an interpersonal crushing. The whole reason we were conceived by God, created to be here, was to be a relationship. You understand that? Everything else in life revolves around and rises and falls. We were intricately designed for relationships. And because of sin that is still active in this world, we hurt each other, do we not? And can I just talk to, not all of you, some of you are doing great right now. Relationships are as good as they've ever been. Praise God, enjoy it. But some of you right now are neck deep in some betrayal, whether you caused it or whether you received it. Some of you are neck deep in being maligned and misunderstood and brokenhearted and hurt and wounded and left behind by people that you thought loved you most right now. Can I just encourage you? First of all, I'm just sorry. Can I just say I'm sorry? I don't wish that on anyone. I know what that feels like. But can I just tell you, these are some of the keyest moments in your life's destiny where you get to choose integrity over feeling and circumstance. This is one of those moments jo Joseph was amazing at where he leans in and he's been betrayed by the people that hurt him most. And do you know what he does? It gets him thrown into slavery into a different country, and the Bible's about to tell us this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Now, listen to this language. The Lord was what? With Joseph in his crushing, on the back end of his biggest betrayal that that 17-year-old kid had ever experienced, in the midst of the worst crushing he'd ever tasted, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, there it is again, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found, what's that next word? Favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of the household and he entrusted his care to everything he owned from the time that he put him in charge of his household and all of that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of who? Joseph. The blessing of the Lord or the favor, again, interchangeable words, was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything about the food he ate, man. Joseph just went from an incredible crushing and simultaneously walking in incredible favor and blessing. That's real life right there. It's not one or the other. It's almost always some kind of crushing and some kind of sweet blessing playing out at the exact same time. And what helps you referee those two paralleled, very different things you have to walk through in life is this thing called integrity. It's saying no matter what I walk through, good or bad, blessed or broken, I will let my values dictate who I am. And what's Joseph do here in Potiphar's house? He works with such excellence and instead of being just a victim who got screwed over by his brothers, which is true, he doesn't go into victim mode because his integrity and his values say, no, 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 God put me on this earth with a dream. And if God said it, I believe it. 
And even though I can't see it yet, I'm going to keep acting as if, I'm going to keep living my life as if that dream is still true because, yeah, sometimes I lie. Yeah, my brothers are definitely liars, but Yahweh is not a man that he should lie. He won't lie. So when he said he's going to use me powerfully just because I got thrown into slavery doesn't mean it's over. So I'm going to act like it's just beginning. That's integrity right there. That just begs the favor of God to be a part of your life. And he just makes everything better. And we don't know because he was there for about 13 years before something other crushing would come his way. But, but, but whatever happened, everything's going great. And I bet Joseph's starting to buy into that. Oh, here's the sweet wine. I see that dream. I'm getting a little closer to that dream. Here we go. But sweet wine requires what? Crushed grapes. So listen to what it says next in Genesis 39. This is a big moment. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Good for you, buddy. We all love you. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Dun, 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 dun. Keith Morrison's voice again, right? Like, I, wrote, I just wrote in my notes two words. Uh-oh. <laughs> Joseph's about to get introduced to the real housewife of Cairo. Sitting good. Everything's going so good. You ever had that happen in life? Everything's going so good. Everything's going so smooth. You're doing everything right. You're doing everything to the, not perfect, but to the best of your ability and you're improving things in your life and things are on the upward trajectory and it just feels so good and you're so grateful and then all of a sudden like Potiphar or whatever represents Potiphar's wife in your life. In this case for him though, this was a massive deal. She kept coming on to him, it said. But, but what kicks in with Joseph? This is why I love this story. This is why I love this guy. What kicks in with Joseph? Integrity. He keeps looking at her. And he even tries to explain to her, listen, everything, the, your, everything your husband has put under my care, he said, I'm in charge. I get to do everything I want with it, but I don't get to do what I want with you. So back off, lady. And we know what ends up happening, right? The last time he says no, she's so offended that she rips the coat off him as he's running away. Don't you love that? Integrity sometimes is just running away. Get the heck out of there. I, I wrote this in my notes too. Uh, one of the marks of favor of God on your life is that he will surround you with the right people. Listen to me though. <laughs> God's favor guarantees that a few wrong ones will creep in as well. And the only way to walk through those seasons where the absolute wrong people in your life are coming around with seemingly good intentions is for intake. And you know what, what saves Joseph right here? It's called this, pre-choice choices. Pastor Andy Stanley wrote a whole book about it. Write this down if you're a note taker. It's a great book. It's called The Principle of the Path. And the whole idea is if you wanna be a person who walks in God's favor, you wanna be a person who walks in the wisdom of God, you need to play out a bunch of scenarios ahead of time and go through what the end result will be ahead of time. So when those actual scenarios, the few times they do in life, actually happen to you, you've already made a determined choice of how you're gonna respond. And I gotta believe, even though the text doesn't tell us that, that Joseph just had some values in place. Like my job is to bring glory to God by saving lives throughout the whole world. I don't know how that's playing out, but that's the dream God gave Joseph. The last worst thing I could do is let an adulterous affair get in the way. Do you know how many times in the last 20 years, and I'm just telling you some of my life, that I have purposely multiple times a year just sat down and did the exercise of going through what it would mean if I cheated on my wife? 
multiple times a year for the last 20, we, we, we turned 20 years old, me, my wife and I this year. And I, I don't remember one of those 20 years where multiple times I did not do the principle of the path where I sat down and I just played through the scenario of uh, God forbid it ever happens to me, but, but I'm human and there's other humans, right? This stuff happens all the time. So, and as a pastor, I can do a lot of destruction to a lot of people who have put their trust in my words. To some degree, you guys have honored me with your trust when I get up here to talk, right? And in a moment, I can give all of you all so many mind games and questions that you don't deserve to have to work through if I choose Potiphar's wife over integrity. So I've just done this. Now, I'm not getting cocky up here because the Bible says no temptation has seized you, right? Don't get, pride comes before the fall. I am susceptible of, of committing this act until the day I die. But one thing I'm gonna be responsible for is I'm gonna make sure long before that opportunity ever comes, I know exactly the damage I'm about to cause to all kinds of people around me. I've already thought through all the damage that'll do to my kids. I've already thought through the damage it'll do to my wife. I've thought through the practical damage it'll do to our home. I've thought through the damage it will do on some degree to the local churches that I've been a part of. And I have to stop and go, you wanna do all that damage for a fleeting moment of pleasure? Well, Joseph doesn't. He makes the right decision, y'all. He walks in integrity. He lets his values and beliefs about Yahweh determine how he's gonna respond to her. Now, here's what's crazy. You ready for this? Because sweet wine requires what? Do you know what he gets for his integrity? Punished. Anyone ever been there? Yeah, you have, I have. Punished for doing what's right. It makes sense to get punished for doing what's wrong, but it is incredibly painful and hard to steward when you are being punished for simply doing the right thing. But there's just times in life where if you are walking in God's favor, remember it's being used by him, not spoiled by him, stuff like that that is unjust and unfair and it makes no sense on paper, and it makes you wanna start questioning the goodness of God, it, it shouldn't startle us because Jesus said this is gonna happen. Can I quote Jesus himself? He said, blessed are you, that word in the, in the uh, Greek and in the Aramaic, it means this in the English language. The word blessed when Jesus said it is happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Doesn't that sound cool? I wanna be happy, I wanna be fortunate, I wanna be envied. Okay, listen to what he says next. Blessed are you when people insult you. <laughs> Record scratch, what? When people insult you, when they persecute you, and when they falsely, that's exactly what Potiphar's wife did to get Joseph thrown in prison, falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Jesus says though this, he says, because of me. Joseph was doing this for God. Integrity is a lot easier to hold on to. Your values and beliefs are way easier to hold on to in, in really uh, attempt, tempting moments to sell out when you've just surrendered to, I'm here to be used by God. I'm not here to get my way. I'm not here for the American dream. If any of that stuff happens, cool, praise God, that's a neat story. I am here to glorify God because I believe that when I am most glorifying God, that is when I am most whole as a human being. And Joseph, Joseph leans into, Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you. You know what he says next? He doubles down, he says, rejoice and be glad. Here's why he says, for great is your reward in heaven. Joseph's reward for being falsely said all kinds of evil against by Potiphar's wife, you know what his reward was in the moment? Prison. 
But you know what his reward was in eternity? We're sitting here talking about him thousands of years later in Sacramento, California. Talk about a legacy. You want to talk about a life that we all want, one that transcends the grave, one that's bigger than just our 60, 70, 80, 90 years that are here? This is Joseph. Why? It was the favor of God maintained by the integrity of man that allowed him to do what he did. And you have the same thing in you that Joseph had in him. Yes, it's for a different specific purpose, but you have the same thing that he has. Jesus says, rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. And then he says something else too. He goes on to finish it by saying, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets of old. And I know Jesus had Joseph as one of those people he was speaking of. For in the same way, in other words, this isn't new to you. Because when you're getting punished for your integrity, you're gonna feel all alone on an island and the lie of the devil is gonna be, you're just a victim, nobody knows what it's like to be you, this is so unfair, nobody can relate, nobody can, listen, Jesus is going, this, is, this has been happening since we bit that apple in the Garden of Eden, y'all. Sometimes it's just gonna happen, but Jesus says there is a blessing on your life when you hold on in the crushing, whether it's the relational betrayals, whether it's, getting punished for holding on to your integrity and getting thrown into prison. We know the rest of the story. You guys know what Joseph ends up doing. I, I could read it right now, but because of time again, because I talked too long, I'm just gonna cliff notes it. The Bible just keeps saying the favor of God was on Joseph. The blessing of God was on Joseph. And he gave him success and all he did, Joseph starts running the prison. What happens? Two of Pharaoh's chief guys get thrown into prison for probably just making Pharaoh mad that day. That's how things worked back then. The cupbearer and the baker, right? And they had two dreams and they didn't know and no one could interpret them. So Joseph, the Hebrew, comes along and interprets them. Then the, both of them get out of prison a little bit later. And all Joseph says is, hey, remember I'm the guy that gave you the dreams to move you forward? Hey, since you're leaving, will you just remember me on the outside? Just put in a good word for me. And then it says for two years, the guys forgot. Two years, it's a long time. Like I just ministered to them. I just changed their lives. I just helped them profoundly and nobody's remembering me. You, you ever, okay, here, here's, a big, here's a big moment for integrity because the favor of God will guarantee you seasons of filling for God. Haven't heard that in a lot of sermons on favor, have you? It's just true though. Because the favor of God is being used by God, not spoiled. There's gonna be some incredible, this is some of your story in here. There's gonna be some profound seasons where you feel forgotten by God and you're giving them your best. This is what Joseph did in prison. I gave you my best, you used me, I interpreted a dream. All I want him to do is remember me, put in a good word for me. Nothing, two years. Then all of a sudden Pharaoh, you know, had too much pizza one night or whatever happened, he has this crazy dream. No one can interpret it. All his soothsayers, no one in the land could and then the, the, the the cupbearer goes, oh, this happened to me two years ago in prison. There was this guy and he totally told us our dreams and it was true. He comes and brings them. Says, hey, there's gonna be seven years of blessing. There's gonna be seven years of famine. You need to start storing up surplus in these seven years of blessing so that not only can all of Egypt have food in the bad seven years, but we can actually help save and feed lives of people all over the world. Egypt will be the epicenter of blessing for the rest of the world. If you just trust me on this interpretation, long story short, Pharaoh buys into it. Why? Because God's favor was with Joseph. Next thing you know, Joseph's in the palace, not the prison anymore. Now, here's what's awesome, and I won't say too much because we got a week three coming. 
This is one of the, not, not every story, and I appreciate this about the Bible, not every story in the Bible ends clean. This one ends pretty clean. It's actually beautiful, it's Hollywood material, right? Because eventually Joseph's brothers were starving and his dad sent the brothers to go to the people in Egypt they heard had food to get, to purchase some food to stay alive. Not having any clue that Joseph at this point is literally, I'm not exaggerating, the vice president, I'll put it in American terms so we understand it, he's the vice president of the world at the time. Egypt ran the world and he's second in command to Pharaoh, literally running everything, keeping thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people alive because of his interpretation of a dream, being favored by God. By the time his brothers who had cost him more hurt and pain than anyone else in life had gotten to the point where they would be reunited, Joseph, because of the crushing he had been through, the classroom of trials to make him complete, because of that now, there is a depth of maturity and humility and empathy and kindness, and listen to this, forgiveness and a spirit of reconciliation that he could not have had as a 17-year-old when they threw him into that pit unjustly. He had to go through some things, didn't he? But the whole time, God's just working it all together for his good, all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the crushing and the sweet wine, all the different, all the different moments that Joseph went through. God was like, I am going to not just let you feed the world, but you're gonna feed your enemies that hurt you most, and it's gonna be healing, and it's gonna bring reconciliation, which is one of Jesus' chief characteristics that he did perfectly, reconcile the world back to himself. And he's like, we're gonna use Joseph, this Old Testament guy, as a picture, as a shadow, to show you what Jesus would do ultimately. I said all of that, again, this is a newer message for me, so I don't know how it's landing, but I trust God fully right now. But the one thing he put most on my heart, how am I doing time-wise? Okay, I'm in trouble, let's get going, Chad. The one thing he put on my heart the most was, there's a few of you in here, this isn't for the majority in here, and that's a dumb, maybe a dumb thing to do too, but I felt like God said to me this week, Chad, let the 99 grace go after the one this week. I don't know who you are, it's none of my business but at least one, if not a couple people in here right now, you are on the brink of selling out your integrity right now for a fleeting moment of pleasure. You're, you're, you're not there yet, you're on the brink of it. And it is gonna destroy some things in you and your family's life. And I don't know, none of us ever need to know who you are, but can I show you how good God is? He just brought me here this weekend specifically to mention you and it's God in his favor and in his kindness going, please, please do not bring this upon yourself. Please stop right now before you walk out of these doors and as we take communion, and I want you to reframe your thinking, I want you to reframe your heart, and I don't want you to walk into that disaster you're gonna walk into. Whatever your Potiphar's wife moment might be right now, you run in the opposite direction right now. You trust God to bless you to take care of the decision. But right now, it, I, again, I don't know who it is, but I'm just telling you, this is God in his kindness going, I brought you here today to protect you from so much damage that you don't deserve or need. So don't do it. That's specific now for the rest of us as a close. Man, if you're in here and you say, I'm just at one of those moments where I'm feeling the crushing right now. I want the sweet wine like everyone else does.
I felt God put stuff on my heart for what he wants in my life, but right now it just feels like an endless cycle of crushing. Can I just remind you, this is where God, and I know it's not always easy to hear, but this is where God is doing his sweetest work. This is where his anointing, his empowerment for not only today, but your future, this is where it's being strengthened. This is where it's being built up. So in in your weariness right now, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in holding on to your integrity for at the proper time, I don't know what that time is, you will reap a harvest if you do not faint and give up. Hold on right now to your integrity. If you're in here right now and you say, I'm getting crushed, but I could use that God, Holy Spirit ordained energy to just keep living according to my values in this difficult time, not according to my circumstance or my emotions. I need prayer, Chad. I need help, Chad. This is why I'm in church today, Chad. Would you raise your hand? Don't be ashamed. Don't be, that's all of us at different times in our lives. If your hand's up, yeah, I see the hands. Keep them, but be proud. We're gonna be praying for you. If you see anyone kind of around you and they have their hand up, would you just, you just you don't go to them or do any of that right now, but would you just think about them? And can we, can we pray for you right now? Because you you deserve the empowerment of God over your life right now. And he, I believe with every bit I pray, is gonna give it to you even before we walk out of these doors. Holy Spirit, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your kindness to us. God, I pray, even in a tougher word, Lord, that you would be blessing so many people right now. For those people that had their hand up right now that are in the crushing of life, God, I pray that you would just look after them with such a tenderness, with such a kindness, God. I pray that you would remind them that you are doing some of your most important completing work on the inside of them, that if they'll just hold on, they're gonna walk out of this season at some point with so much more integrity, so much more completeness and wholeness, and they're gonna see you do beautiful things through their lives. God, I ask this and pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and everyone said. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.